0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction Poor episodes with Liam, Shelby, and myself. How's everybody doing today? We're pretty we good. good over here. Yes. I feel like we haven't done this in so long that I'm like, I forget how to do this. Um, but I guess it maybe yeah. hasn't been that long. It was just like one week off. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yes, so. Um, We're going to share some Southern Resident news um, as we do. So there was a new study that was published um, recently. Where did I already lose it? Um, um, A new study that just came out um, titled Endangered Predators and Endangered Prey Seasonal Diet of the Southern Resident Killer Whales. So basically from 2004 to 2017, scientists looked at fecal samples as well as behavioral data to assess Um, what the whales are eating and they found that in the the fall the whales are eating about 50 percent of um, their diet is chinook salmon in the midwinter to early spring it's 70 to 80 percent and then 100 percent in the spring so um it did show that they're eating other things they did identify 115 unique fish um within them doing that which is kind of cool um, and then the majority of this data was taken using fecal samples. So they just like looked at the animal's poop to see what they're eating. Um, and I think that I honestly kind of just, I had to, I didn't have too much time to go very much in depth with this article, but it looked like JPod was like the, the primary group that they did get to look at, which is something important to note, but um, yeah. Anyone else have comments on the study?
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely great that, Oh, sorry, Liam. Um, (laughs) That they were looking specifically at the Southern residents in JPOD, like just given the significance of, we know that um, food availability is so critical to them right now. So it was great to get further insight into what they're eating so that we can help
0: them. Yeah absolutely and I think it like I don't know it's good to see too because like we thought for the longest time that they were just only eating the chinook year round um so this kind of goes to show that you know these guys are a bit more adaptable than we think which is awesome um but again more science is always good and just based on the authors and where this paper was published I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a credible study um that like Noah worked on this um it looks like yeah, the, several divisions in NOAA, um, and then a couple different private organizations as well. Cascadia was on this, and anything that it comes out of Cascadia I feel like is always top-notch. But it's always important, too, when we're looking at scientific papers to make sure they're peer-reviewed. Um, this is a credible journal, so this is a peer-reviewed article. Um, and you can access it online for free. We'll um, put the link down in the bio so that you guys can take a look at it. Um, but this is definitely a credible article that is really helpful for us. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Erica, do you recall seeing, um, anything that mentioned if the quantity of fish they were eating varied throughout the seasons? Because, um, I noticed that, uh, like the Chinook intake was lower in the fall, but I'm wondering if, um, quantity of intake was also like, uh,
0: correlated with that like if they're they, just eating less in the fall in general um i didn't see they anything yeah what did you see liam because i didn't see it but like i said i just skimmed it no, and I, I, I was yeah yeah
2: yeah i was gonna say that uh in their in the section where they talk about the uh, the composition of diet from fecal sand samples and each in each figure uh it was men- it was mentioned that, uh, that, uh, the control, that the controls, the three different controls, the salmon would, uh, the amount of Chinook salmon intake might be lower than expected or higher than expected. Um, I think it did say that it, that there was some sort of, it was a correlation between, uh, the time of year as well as the location they were in. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, I think it, I think it says if they were in, because, they were in like puget Sound. they saw there was there might have they were taking taking in a little bit more uh chum than a uh, chinook
1: yeah i guess if they were mostly going based off of fecal samples it would be hard to know if the quantity of actual intake was differing yeah uh, unless it was super significant with like super small yeah. fecal samples or something yeah so
2: in in Puget in Puget Sound, uh, chum salmon was the next most uh, common species. But hmm. uh, but you know, when they were on the on the coast, it was non-existent. Which which kind of makes sense. And it's likely that the chinook salmon would be along the coast rather than you know within uh, the Puget Sound area. Yeah,
1: definitely. And did you guys notice that um, it says so? Although Outer Coast samples included 14 stocks, four river systems accounted for over 90% of samples, predominantly the Columbia River.
0: I was just gonna note that. So we have things we need to get done along mm-hmm. with Columbia. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's super important. So this is why, I mean, having all of this science just helps us to make more informed and better decisions. And if anything, this study just solidifies the need to have sustainable fisheries as well as to remove the lower Snake River dams. Um, And, I mean, dams in general, I think, it sounds like most dams should just go down. I haven't looked into every dam that exists, but the ones that are in the way of salmon definitely have a huge impact. So, uh, yeah, Yeah,
1: we have credible sources that have done some extensive analysis on the uh, Columbia River dams. And they've definitely concluded that they're the cost of taking them down outweighs the cost of keeping them.
0: Yes. So it just needs to happen. It just needs to happen. And we know um, Mike Simpson, uh, who's a representative of Idaho, that he just um, backed – or he just, like, wrote a proposal to have the Lower Snake River dams removed in the next nine years. Um, But ideally what we can do, for those of you that are listening, even if you're from a square state in the middle, we need – it would be really helpful if we had another Republican representative to back him from a state that probably has nothing to do with Washington. that would make it really strong um, but you know we need to definitely continue to write our representatives call our representatives and tell them that you know this is a good idea we just need it to happen sooner and then encourage more people to back that exactly
2: yeah so any 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 represent, uh, any rep- any representative at all no matter what the political affiliation that would help that would help back up uh, back up some of, uh, pieces of, uh, Mike Simpson's uh, proposal to help, to help, uh, Northwest with the, uh, to help, uh, the Tri-City area with, uh, moving off of, uh, dams as well as any efforts to get the dams down as soon as possible, because, um, uh, it's, they're, they're supposed to be, uh, scheduled for a 2030, uh, breaching, which is nine years down the line, but we can, they can be, uh, taken down even sooner.
0: Yes. I mean, we could get them, like, we could start removing them this
2: year. We don't even need legislation for that. Yeah. Very true.
0: Um, But, yeah, we just need to continue to push for it. And I really don't think that now's the time to give up. And um, on the episode that I put out on Friday, I talked with Jim Whitehead about that. But, like, things are happening. And I think we just need to keep the upward momentum and keep going. And, you know, we did get another little carrot of hope um, today, which... We saw that Center for Whale Research posted that Crescent is a female, so that's exciting. That's J fifty eight. So yeah, that's um,
2: Eclipse's baby, and she's a girl.
1: Yay! Yes, which of we course. need,
2: which we especially need females now more than ever in their pods, and it's very hopeful. And anytime there's a uh, there's a calf, that's a girl. It's always a wonderful sign of hope. Yes,
1: healthy baby is the first priority, but. Uh, we babies. need some girls to balance
0: out the ratio. So that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And then Center for Whale Research did just post their um, quarterly update. What do they call it? They call it their whale report. Um, and in there, they summarized like the sightings that they had in 2020. They talked about what they've had so far in 2021. Um, and they are putting out a new catalog for Um, transients and residents which is something that does happen annually so they said to look for that in the late spring so everyone look for that in the late spring Um, but that's that's pretty much what's going on in in the world of of southern residents right now which is pretty exciting Um, so we want to learn what that the gender of that other baby but um, before we got before we started chatting um, Shelby was reminding us about that study that came out earlier or late last year about the grandmother effect. Um, and then we were discussing whether or not the grandma for this baby is still alive. Do you wanna share your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so just kind of to recap the um, significant results of that study for those of you who haven't read it before, but um, if you're interested, uh, the study's called "Postreproductive killer whale grandmothers improved the survival of their grand offspring. And basically the results showed that post reproductive grandmothers um, help, uh, help uh, new calves thrive because since they're no longer in that reproductive stage themselves, they're able to um, play a, more of a leadership role in the pod and also help uh, the mothers uh, not only care for the calf, but also teaching the mother care for their calf because they're not competing reproductively um, with those other reproductive females anymore. Um, so yeah, so I was just hoping that Erica could give a bit of an overview for kind of the status of our new babies that we've had and if their grandmothers are still present in their pods. Yes.
0: So we're going to relocate for this because my whale wall has, has made a permanent fixture in my living room. Um, and so I can look to that and reference, but so for our new babies, um, the newest baby that we have is surprises baby that has yet to be named um and her grandmother is not alive and then we have to baby phoenix um who was born last year as well his grandmother is not alive and then crescent's grandmother is alive so j19 is his grandma uh, or her grandma um and then Eclipse is her mom so that's j41 and then there's um her and she's got one brother so she does have a grandma, and we see that there is a correlation between um, the calf's survival and having a grandma.
1: Yes, and hopefully, like, I can't remember if um, this study looked at, like, exact grandmother relatives or just a grandmother of the pod, kind of. So, like, mm-hmm. if those other calves, like, have a grandmother figure in the pod, um that may still benefit them as well. So fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. And I was, I actually like put my whale wall back up today. I like had it laminated and then put it up so that it can be up there all the time. Um, But yeah, um, when I was looking at it, I noticed that there are a couple different whales that like their families are deceased. And so they'll go hang out with other whales. And then there are specific whales that like to hang out with calves or like moms and calves. So, um I've heard them referred to in the field as like babysitters. Um so there's mm-hmm. you know, having that outside support definitely can help um with the survival. So I'm definitely very hopeful for this new baby girl. Fingers crossed she yeah. makes it. Um we know
2: yes, that Yes, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, sixty six percent of the, the calves don't make it. So it's super important to push yeah, to make sure they do. Sorry, shall we? Even say yes, we, we unfortunately
2: lost uh Dara's baby yes which was uh which i think was really hard especially for star who's she's lost her mother and she's lost and she's lost uh one child and one unborn child yes which is really upsetting yes um but again it's just that that shows how dire of a situation they're in you know even if they you know even if they are uh Resorting as best they can to uh, to different sources of food they can't you know this is the salmon are integral to their society, and mm-hmm. any threat that faces that that faces that has to be dealt with yes, definitely
0: Shelby, did you have something to say?
1: Oh, I was just gonna say that um, we have seen like the whales can be pretty adaptive too and resilient. Like I know in the northern resident population, in the APOD, there's, um, a, there's one instance where a calf lost its mother or something and kind of its uncle mm-hmm. has kind of taken it under its wing. I believe that's the situation. But anyways, I was just saying that um, the grandmother effect has shown uh, to play a significant role on the calves, but we know that the whales can also They're super smart and adaptive and, you know, they kind of, we admire them for um, taking like care of each other and having kind of that pod mentality. So,
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: yeah, so just kind of hopeful that
0: these calves thrive and keep doing well. Yes. And we should have healthy lives. Yes. Act like them, come together and, and do everything we can to help them at this point. Okay, so Liam's computer did crash and we lost him. But um, this Friday, we will be doing a Q&A episode. So if you guys have questions, submit them to us on Instagram, Facebook, um, or send an email to info at breachingextinction.com. But thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank and- you.